Father, before you, everything seemed so inconsequential, so meaningless aside from you. Father, we have a job, we go to work, we do things, we create things, we buy things, we sell things. But at the end of the day, the only thing that is meaningful comes from you. Father, our prayer this morning is that we would keep that at the forefront of our minds, the forefront of our lives as we go through each day. Father, one of the ways that we are able to be right with you is to just go to you and ask for forgiveness for anything in our life that doesn't need to be there. Father, maybe there's a struggle, maybe there's something that we're not proud of, something that we've done, something that we haven't done. We're just going to take a moment, each of us individually here this morning, to go to you and ask for forgiveness. So let's just do that right now. Be free. Father, we just thank you that you are able to take off our plate things that we don't need, things that shouldn't be there. And Father, this morning, Lord, we, we just ask that you would be God of our lives and that the things that are meaningful in our lives, that we could build off of them. Lord, that we could find success in a time of turmoil, in a time of economic mess, Father. Lord, that you would help us be overcomers. Lord, that you would help us to be the person that you've created us to be. Father, we pray your Holy Spirit into our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. She went shopping. Something about stuff. It's like on display. So even if you've got the same stuff, the way they lay it out, makes you want. Wanting is the root of all needing stuff. Let me tell you what, they say money can't buy happiness, but it... You know, we live in a society that is very much driven by what we don't have. We always see what we don't have and we want what we don't have, but one of the problems, one of the challenges that we face is that if we want to be successful in life, and of course by successful I don't mean successful by a variety of different standards. I mean successful by the way that God tells us to be successful. That if we want to be successful, it's not defined by what we don't have, but as we're going to talk about today, what we do have. Well, we're in our new series, our fall kickoff series, which is Finding Success in an Economic Mess. I've been talking a lot about economics for the last, uh, well, it seems like a year or more now, 
um, because of all the struggles that the economy has had. And if you're like me, you've had struggles. I know I've had struggles. I've had, you know, uh, difficulties, and you've had difficulties, I'm sure. Probably if you're here today, you've had difficulties. And uh, through it all, though, we want to be able to live a life that is successful by God's plan for us. We want to be able to live, whether it's in a bad time or a good time, more according to what God has called us for our lives than anything else. So finding success in an economic mess, we're going to be talking about that um, for the next four weeks. So we're going to be mostly talking about what understanding, what success is or understanding success. Now, I know that we sent out a mailer, you know, started off this week. And, and I know that lots of people will get the mail because I've already talked to some of them. They're like, is this like a Tony Robbins thing? Are you going to tell me how to make money? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell you how to make money um, because the, there is something that is more fundamental than even that. And so we're going to talk about what some of these fundamentals are. I wanted to put fundamental on the flyer, but of course you put the word fundamental on there and people get the wrong idea. But I wanted to talk about what these fundamentals are that are these truths that are important and, and in fact necessary in our lives for us to be able to have success. So we're really going to be talking about this idea of understanding success and what it means for us. So here's our strategy. Today we're going to start off really simple and talk about learning to work backwards. Now, because it's Labor Day weekend and I knew everybody was going to be gone and, you know, yada, yada, I decided to just keep it real short, real sweet, real simple this morning, just as a base for us to begin the discussion over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about what it means to learn to work backwards. All right. Um, we're going to see what the Bible says and how the Bible is very applicable in what it means to find success. Even though the Bible was written thousands of years ago, it is still incredibly important, if not the most important thing that we could read about having success. Why is that? Because even though the market goes up, the market goes down, there, there are troubles, there are good times, there are more troubles, there are more good times. The Bible, and in fact, God's Word remains consistent throughout all of that. And when we tie our lives to God more so than the market, then we have something by which we can stand on. So here's what we're going to do. Let's talk about the problem. Each week I'm going to introduce a problem, four problems for four weeks. And we're going to talk about the problem, and then we're going to talk about a solution. Again, very simply this morning, the problem that many of us face is that we focus on what we don't have. And this is a struggle that we in the West are keenly uh, guilty of, is focusing on what we don't have. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, I don't know what rating it is, probably PG, but... Uh, um, it's a really good movie. It's called Mad Money, and it's all about how people needed more and more and more, so they decided to you know, break into the bank and steal the money and that sort of thing because they needed more and more and more and more and more. And, and the truth is is that we live in such a society that if the bank down here, you know, at where the Albertsons used to be, if the bank there were to say, hey, everybody, we're going to have free money, $1,000 for anyone who comes down at, what is it? 10.05 a.m. this Sunday, the church would be empty. We would all want to run down there and get our free thousand dollars and say, oh, pastor, I'm going to give some back to the church. Don't worry. <laughs> but I know you, yeah, whatever, right. So the thing is, is that one of the things is, is that we live in a society that continually puts our focus on what we don't have. That movie clip was awesome because it's true. When you go to the store, they don't just have one thing. They don't just have one washer, one dryer, one faucet. They have thousands, well, maybe not thousands, but certainly hundreds there from choose from, right, gleaming, all saying, buy me, buy me, get me, get me, right? 
And so the problem is, especially when there is a time of economic stress, a time of economic mess, it's easy for us to focus on what we don't have. We wish that we could get this. We wish that we could get that. But the problem is, is that ultimately where we are being led astray is what our understanding of success is. Success is not what we don't have. Success, as we're going to find out today, is what we do have. Here's what the Bible says. A great verse in Proverbs 23. By the way, I'm going to be looking at a couple different verses. Sometimes I look at a whole passage. Today I'm going to be looking at a couple different verses. If you want to flip in your Bibles to it, um, it's on the handout in your bulletin, and you can write in on your handout if you want. Proverbs 23, 4-5 says this. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle, right? And as we've seen... In the last year, that's exactly what wealth has done. It has taken wings and it has flown off, and we don't know where it went to, but we can't get it back, right? And that's been a problem for me, and it's been a problem for you. It's been a problem for our whole world. Um, and so the Bible, even though this was written about 3,500 years ago, it understands life, and it understands people, right? Okay, so here's the thing. Let's, two ideas that we're going to talk about under the problem. Number one is that we, stuff we don't have will always be limitless. This is something that the Bible understands, but we are tempted to forget as we go shopping, as we live in a, in a time of economic crunch, is that the stuff that we can get, the things that we can always do will be limitless. I'll use myself as an example. I happen to be a guitarist. I love guitars. I love nice guitars, right? I don't like Walmart guitars. I like nice guitars. And the number of guitars, as Ramir can tell you, that I have can be limitless. I could own millions of different kind of guitars because everyone sounds differently. Everyone performs a different function. It would be awesome um, if I could have an unlimited supply. The problem is, is that stuff we don't have will always be limitless. Everything from the things that we think we need for our house, everything the things that we think we need to, to be comfortable in society, comfortable in life, will always be limitless. Someone is always going to invent something or create something that we feel like we just must have, right? I mean, we can think about all the things that we must have had at some point, right? Some of you, you remember, you know, the striped leg warmers in the 80s that you had to have, right? You know, the Rubik's Cube, I'm just picking stuff from the 80s now you had to have. You know, everyone now, Ed Hardy t-shirts, got to have it. Otherwise, if I go to the company barbecue, I look like a dork, right? Um, and so the, the things that we want... The things that we can't have will always be limitless. That is the nature of the world that we live in. We deceive ourselves if we cannot understand the limitless nature of the wants that are in our world. Let me give some examples, right? I mean, we see this as an example to find life in magazines and on TV, right? Guys, that's in a Bugatti, right? It's a fancy sports car. It's worth more than uh, I'll ever make, although not because we're going to talk about that in a minute. But that would be really nice to have. Or ladies, what about, you know, the brand new Prada bag that just came out, right? Would that be nice, you know? We could use that. We could need that. I mean, it's tough right now, but, I mean, you know, I don't see Macy's going out of business or Nordstrom's going out of business, right? What I've always wanted, though, is, is bling teeth, right? That would be really cool, you know, to get those and let everybody know how successful I am, right? Because I got diamonds on my teeth, right? That would be really cool, too. I wonder if they still sell those. I don't know. Anyway, I didn't, you could collect all 22. That's great. See, that's what I mean about limitless. I didn't even notice that till now. But, I mean, they're just not happy with one. You've got to have 22 different types of fake money teeth, right? Because it's limitless. It's limitless. Hey, let me throw up a fact real quick. 
uh, Young American Center for Financial Education says today, as starting today, the average 21-year-old American will spend $2.2 million in their lifetime. $2.2 million the average 21-year-old today will spend in their lifetime. That's a lot of money to me, right? That's, that's, that's a lot of money to me. Uh, by the way, if, you're not, if you don't understand the statistic, if you're like my, me and you're in your 30s, that means I'll spend a little bit less because of the, just the inflation and that sort of thing. But most of us will spend, according to the statistic, in the millions of dollars throughout our lifetime. That's how much we will spend. Now, do you know how much you will earn in that time? <laughs> well, we did that in last series on, you know, when we did our, our market condition series, right? But the thing is, is that we will spend a tremendous amount of money. If I could tell you today, listen, I'm going to give you all the money that you're going to spend today, $2.2 million or whatever it is. If you're older, it's a little less. If you're younger, it's a little more. I'm going to give you all that today. What would you do with it? I could buy a lot of bling teeth for $2.2 million, right? That's what I could. I could. I could buy a lot of that, right? Sadly, 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 the problem is, is that our ability to spend is limitless. And when we tie our success to what we can spend or what we can possess, then our success becomes the wrong metric by which to judge our lives, right? If we're judging our lives by what we can spend and what we can buy, then it is a sad metric. Now, let me say this because you're like, yeah, it is a sad metric. I'm glad I'm not like that. No, no, no. We're all like that. We all are tempted, me, you, all of us are tempted to judge our lives our success by what we have and what we don't have. Look, I'm a pastor. I work on a nonprofit salary, but even I get in the mindset of thinking if I had that, I would be more successful, right? But what does that have to do with me being more successful? And so the problem is, is that we continually tie success to what we don't have rather than what we do have. And we're going to be talking about that in just a second. We can't define success with our physical stuff anyway. We've talked about this in the past here, but let me just review, recap, because, you know, these are things that we need to constantly be reminded of in an economic downturn, is we can't define success with our physical stuff. Why is that? Because physical stuff, as the Bible says, is fleeting. It will disappear overnight. It is something that will go away very quickly. Uh, we may earn a lot of money, we may get a lot of stuff, but in the end, it's all going to go away one way or the other. Either, number one, we will lose it all, or number one, we will pass from this world and it will go to people, as the book of Ecclesiastes says in the Bible, which I love, it will go to people who could care less about you, they're just happy that you died and gave them their money. And that's the truth, right? I should have thrown that up there uh, from Ecclesiastes. But that's what happens. We can't define success with our physical stuff because physical stuff takes wings, as the Bible says in Proverbs 23, and it flies away. Um, you may say, listen, Pastor, I'm here this morning. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm just trying to survive. Well, me too. That's me too. I, I'll never see a Bugatti. My wife will never see a Prada bag, not unless we find it used at the, at the thrift store, you know. Uh, but survival, like success, is not defined by what we don't have. We're not able to survive or not to survive based on what we possess in our hands, what we have, but on something far different and far more significant than that. I mean, if I dropped you on a desert island today, if I dropped you on a desert island where food and water were plentiful, just for the sake of argument, could you be successful? Could you survive? Well, let me start with survival. If I dropped you on a desert island where there's plenty of food and water, 
you know, out there in the, in the Pacific Ocean, could you survive? Plenty of food and water, could you survive? No, because we die of boredom with no TV. I know that, okay? So let's just forget the boredom issue just for a second, okay? Could you survive? Yes, you, you could. Who says no? Okay. Okay. You could, you could physically survive. Maybe it wouldn't be enjoyable, but you could survive. Here's the question, though, I really want to ask. Could you be successful? Could you be successful if God dropped you, if I dropped you, let's take out of it, but if I dropped you in a desert island with all the food and all the water that you had, could you be successful? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest to you that the answer is not no. Now, we may tweak the answer yes, but the answer is not no, because remember that success, if we want to define it accurately, is not by what we don't have, but by what we do have and what we do with what we do have. We're going to talk about that. Here's the solution right here. This is a very simple, very easy solution this morning, and then we'll dig deeper in the next couple of weeks. First of all, we must start with what we do have. It's really absolutely critical for us to start what we do have. You know, I, I, in preparation for this message, I thought, you know, it'd be really cool if I could quote some famous, you know, economists who would say something along these lines. Because I've heard it before, but when you look up in the quotations about, you know, what famous people have said about economics, it's all very uh, sarcastic. Have you ever looked through, I mean, I, I've never have till, till this week, but I looked through all the quotes about money and, 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 and economics and by famous people, and they were all extremely sarcastic, you know, to the point where I could use none of them because it was so sarcastic because the problem is money and economics are so just mean-spirited and just struggles and, and just promotes a, a sense of just um, struggle in our lives. We must start with what we do have. Listen, here's the thing. Each of us have something in this room today. Um, you have something. Now, how much you own that something, we'll, we'll talk about. But we each have something. If we have something, then it's easier for us to start with what we do have than what we don't have. Let's talk about why that is. Here's what the Bible says. Um, this is Isaiah 33, and he's talking about a time of uh, disaster and economic downturn. A lot of times, if you're interested in economic downturn, read the Old Testament. If you've never read the Old Testament, read parts of the Old Testament, because a lot of seasons there was famine, there was struggle, there was no money, there was nothing to go around, and you'll see them talk about what it was like to follow God when there was a downturn in the economy. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 33, talking about this. God will be the sure foundation for your time, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord, knowing Him, is the key to this treasure. I want to read this again, because it's a really awesome passage here. God is the sure foundation for your time. Not the stock market, not the U.S. dollar, not, no. The Bible says that God is the sure foundation for the times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord, which means knowing Him and respecting Him and following Him, is the key to the treasure that He has in store for us. Look, we can have, we, um, sorry, what can we have that no one could take away from us? Let's do this. Let's assess this. Because again, when we go through life, there's two ledgers in our life, right? There's, there's the left-hand side and the right-hand side, just for argument's sake. And on the right-hand side is everything that we want. What do we want? Well, I want to be able to pay my bills. Okay, that would be a good one, right? I, want, uh, I could always use some new clothes. You know, I could always use a Prada handbag. You know, I could use this. I could use that. Okay, not me use the Prada handbag. Someone I know, right? That sort of thing. 
Okay, and so here's the ledger of our lack, of our loss, of what we don't have. What I'm suggesting to you from a biblical viewpoint is not to look at this ledger just yet, okay? But to look at what we do have. What do we have? What do we have? Well, most of us have quite a lot when we get right down to it. Most of, in fact, if you're sitting here, I'm going to argue that all of us probably, just looking around the room, have a lot of stuff. The thing is, is that we can begin with what we do have and work to what we want or work to this idea of success. Now, I'm still not comfortable with defining success by things, but let's talk about what we do have. What are some things that we have? Well, we have family, right? I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Most of us have family, right? And that's awesome because in an economic downturn, hopefully you're closer to your family than farther away. When everyone's rich and, and whatever, we all fight and nobody gets along. But hopefully during the economic downturn, we pitch in, we work together, right? Um, that would be a big thing. Many of us at least have a house or somewhere where we can live, right? Where we can at least get started from. So there are lots of things that we do have. What I want to do, go, do though, is, do, is just to dig a little bit deeper in this. What can we have that no one can take away from us? Because as we see by the foreclosure rates, as we see by things in our society, that things can be, a house can be taken away from us, right? Our clothes can be taken away from us. If I get poor enough that I can't pay anything, the bank can come and take away my clothes, and that would be the end of me, right? Well, no, not really. What are some things that we have that no one can take away from us? Because if I was an economist, it's not going to work. If I was an economist, I would be very interested in the things that I do have rather than I don't. If you go sit down with a CPA and you're like, I'm facing you know, all these struggles, they're going to want to know what? What you need, but they're also going to want to know what? What you have, right? Because what you have becomes really critical at that point. The thing is, is that, again, we're defining success mostly, we're tempted to, by what we don't have, and then when we look at what we have, we also first look at the things that can be taken away from us. But there are things that cannot be taken away from us. Let me give an example of something that cannot be taken away from us for the most part, and that would be our family, right? A lot of us have good families who love us, we work together, we, 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 we try to do the best that we can, we pitch in together, right? And you know what? Thick or thin, we're going to stick together. And that's something that no one can take away from us. You know, they say, you know, during the Great Depression, and I, and, I mean, by all accounts, I'm, I'm sure it must be true, but that the churches were overflowing. Why? Because people would come in and work together. And I know this is the Bay Area, and you're never going to see a church overflowing here. Um, not really, not like in other parts of the country. But, I mean, the, people would be willing to work together. Why? Because their success was not defined by what they could get, but by some other metric, some other definition in our lives. What can we have that no one can take away from us? Well, here's the thing. There is only one thing in a, this world that you can possess that can never be lost, which is God working in your life. That's the only thing that you can possess that no one can ever take away from you. People can take away your home. People can take away your money. People can take away your family. People can take away your job. People can take away your career. People can take away your car. People can take away even your hope. But the one thing that can never be lost in you, well, people can't really take away your hope if you have hope in God. But the one thing that can never be lost is God. Think about it. You can never lose that if you want to hold on to it. 
someone could put a gun to your head, as they did during World War II in Germany, and tell the people, listen, you, you know, we're going to kill you if you don't relent and stop being a Christian. And yet, like, I'm thinking of Dietrich Bonhoeffer here, you know, and said nothing, you know, nothing you can do will ever take away my faith in God. And they killed him for it. And, and so, even in his death, and I'm just thinking of him as an example, it did not eliminate his one foundation in his life, who was God. So when we think about this ledger, we think about this ledger, right? On this side, we've got all the things that we want, all the things that we wish we could have, right? All the things we feel like we need, all the bills that we owe, all this stuff right here. We transfer over here to a second to the other side of the ledger, and we look at what we have. And at the core or the base of what we have that no one can take away from us, no bill collector, no person who says that we owe money, nothing is our relationship with God, if we have that. Now, some people would say, suggest to me, maybe next week when uh, they're not on Labor Day, people, some people will come in and they'll say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian, and so uh, I, don't, I don't believe that this is something that no one can take away from me. Well, no one can, because if you have God, you just do, and that's just the bottom line. I mean, I can't debate that. But, but they'll say, well, I don't see how that's going to affect the other side of the ledger. Well, here's what happens. What happens is, is that when we have something, turning it into something more is easier than if we have nothing and trying to turn it into something, right? We're going to talk about this in a second, but that's the truth. If I give all of you one dollar... You could turn that into $2 easier than if I give you nothing and ask you to turn that into $1, right? You could. That's a simple, basic economic principle. And so the thing is, is that the one thing that we have that is the basis for our lives, the one thing that no one can ever take away, the one thing that should serve as the rock of our lives, no matter how distressful, no matter how much a mess our economy and our situation is in, is God in our lives. We can lose our job, our big house, our small house in this area, our health, but nothing can take God out of our lives. Nothing can do that. Nothing can take him away from us if we desire to have relationship with him, hold on to him, and know him during the good times and during the bad times. Relationship with God is key to finding success. The Bible tells us that without really knowing God, that it is not possible for us to enjoy true success in this world. Why? Let me ask you a question. Is a person, by the world standard, is a person without money successful? A person who has not a penny to their name, is that person successful? No. But when we die, when we pass from this world, guess what? We will pass from this world without a penny, without a cent to take. I have family members who are going to stuff their coffin with money, but you can only fit so much money in a coffin. And I don't know that stock certificates and T-bills and that sort of thing is going to be useful currency in the next life, right? And so when we talk about what it is to find success, relationship with God is key to that success because it is the basis of real success in our world. We delude ourselves and we deceive ourselves to thinking that those things, that stuff, all the things that we need and want will make us successful when they are not. And again, let me just say, I mean, guys, uh, 
we need to put a big hypocrite sign. I've been wanting, you know the sign that says eat here, you know, with the, with the arrow and the flashing lights, right? I want a big sign right here that comes on with an arrow comes down that says hypocrite or me too or whatever. Just me too would be sufficient, right? To say me too because I'm in the same boat. You know, I go to the store, I go to the mall, I'm not, you know, impervious to this. I know what it's like to want, I know what it's like to, to struggle to pay the bills. But when God is the center of everything, it takes all of that away because we are defining success by his standards rather than by the world's standards. Relationship with God becomes key uh, to finding success. I mean, we think about it this way. When we talk about what we have versus what we, what we want, and we talk about this second ledger here of what we have, I mean, God is the biggest thing that we have in our lives. Beyond that, we have family. We have what we can accomplish in our life. And money... I mean, you know, it's so small compared to those things. I w- Let me ask you a question. Let's say you wanted to start a business. This is going to be a trick question. Let's say you wanted to start a business. You wanted to start a business, and you had two people. You had, number one, a person who had lots of money, but that's all they had, just money, just, just trust fund, something like that, on one side. And on the other side, you had someone who was driven to be your partner and to make this business happen because it would, you know, make the world a better place, that sort of thing. Totally driven in that way. Which person would you have? Would you want on your team? You could only pick one. Would you want the person with lots of money or would you want the person who's totally driven, sold out by the idea? Well, it's a little bit of a trick question, I know, because some of you think, yeah, but, you know, all that money, I could buy someone who would be driven. But, you know what, I have to say that in this life, I would rather have the person that is driven, driven to do it. It'd be easier with a person who has a lot of money, but success comes and success goes by the world standard, right? Money comes and money goes. You know, I know a friend of mine, I use an example because I had a friend of mine who did this. I had a friend of mine who was, who was a believer, and uh, they, they were a believer, and they were trying to basically do a ministry that would help people, and they had a choice sort of, between people who are really passionate about the ministry and some big fat cat who was going to bankroll their ministry, right? And they chose the fat cat who bankrolled their ministry. And for a couple years, they had tons of money and the ministry was going well and everything, you know? But then the fat cat wanted to pull the strings, you know what I mean? And to make sure that the ministry was doing what he wanted to do. And so the person said, well, I can't with good integrity allow you to do that because that's not the whole, that's not the purpose of this, right? I mean, that's not the reason why we set it up. And so the fat cat said, what? See you later, right? And guess what? The person was back. No ministry anymore. To me, a lot of waste in those couple of years. And so when we see that God is, has to be the center, has to be the foundation, has to be the rock by which we define success. In fact, if we could define success differently than we do by the world's standard, we will be much better off. Second idea, uh, second solution, part of the solution here, is that we must build on our real possessions. We've been talking about this for the last couple of minutes, but it is imperative that we build on real possessions rather than fake possessions. I mean, when we think about the economic downturn, we look at guys in the, in the newspaper like Madoff and all these guys. What were the Enron, I mean, a couple years ago, the, the, the inflated value of our homes, all these things were what? These were possessions, these were things that were built on what? Was it built on solid, gold, hard currency, or was it built on moving and manipulating things around? It was built largely on fake possessions. 
You know, this is an absolutely positively true story. This is an absolutely positively true story. I think I've told this one here before, but it is, it is really good. Um, when I was in New York City uh, about four years ago, and I was in a conference, and I was in a conference with people who were, uh, it was a leadership conference, uh, and there was like 12 of us there that day. And uh, most of the people there that were bankers or they were like the drivers in their organization, it was basically to make driver personality people become better at visionary leadership personality. And, and uh, one of the, everyone that was there seemed like normal that they were there, again, bankers and, and business leaders and that sort of thing, except two people, me, I was a pastor, everybody thought it was totally weird that I'd be there. Uh, but there was also a lady who was there, um, and it, she just wanted to take it for, uh, just because she just wanted to take it, uh, the, the class. And uh, when we went to lunch, I went to lunch with a guy who worked on Wall Street, and, and her, and when we were sitting there at lunchtime, we were talking about, you know, the you know, at that point in time, the the uh, the what do you call it? The housing market was going up, but it hadn't reached anywhere where it was. And and, and she was talking about how successful she was in the in the market. And, and the guy asked her, the banker asked her, said, well, well, what do you mean you've been successful in the market? And she's like, I bought eight houses in the last year. And he said to her, You did what? And she said, Yeah, I bought eight houses in the last year from all the way from Georgia to New York. And he's like, well, how did you do that? He, she said, well, as soon as I got a down payment for a couple thousand dollars, I was able to buy the house and try to get someone in there, and then I immediately got another $2,000, bought another house, and I just buying as many houses as I can. And the banker looked at her, and he said, I'll never look, I'll never forget the expression on his face. He said, but aren't you worried that, like, this whole thing could collapse? She was like, no, 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 it's no big deal. I'll just foreclose on it, just lose some property. It's no big deal, right? She bought eight pieces of property in the last year. That's a true story, true story. And the banker was totally, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not an economic person per se, so I was sort of like, that's weird. How can she do that, you know, because I didn't have my pulse on, on it, you know. But he was just horrified that she was able to buy eight houses in the last year. And the problem was she was buying houses where? Does anybody want to guess what makes the story even sadder? She was buying it in the poor parts of the country, not the richer parts of the country. So when she foreclosed, it damaged the poor parts of the country, not the richer parts of the country. And so what happens is, is that what does she do? She was basically building her portfolio based on fake possessions, moving money around, money that she didn't have. Now, I know a lot of you, you hear that story, you get really mad because you're like, those are people that wrecked everything. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, because they were basing success on what they could get based on however they could get it. But God says that when we base success on who he is and on him, that that is what allows real success to come into our lives. Right? Remember, Proverbs says that, our, that all that stuff floats away on wings like eagles, but that, uh, well, just wings, not eagles, wings like raven or something like that, right? The bad bird, <laughs> you know, not the good bird. But that, when, but that God is the key to the treasure, to our treasure, and that treasure is what is having God's purpose and plan for our lives. To be successful by his standard, not our standard. Let me give you one more example um, real quickly. If, if you could be successful by what... If you could go to Santana Row and you could have some people there say, oh, you're very successful. Or you could have your family members, your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, your mom or your dad, say, you know what, you are really successful. Which one would you prefer to have? 
your family member, your loved ones tell you successful, or someone on Santana Road says, oh, yeah, she's very successful. Which would you rather have? Okay, if you're sitting next to your family, you need to answer family whether you believe it or not. Okay? Family, right? Why is that? Because you know that their sense of success is better than some shallow person on Santana Road. And if you work on Santana Road, no offense. Okay? Why? Because you know their sense of... Listen, in the same way, God's sense of success is even better. And if we are able to hold on to God's sense of success in our lives, that will make all the difference throughout all the bad times that we have. It will allow us to build on real possessions. The Bible says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. We know that, right? Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And so the Bible tells us that, listen, when we start with what we have, and then we give out of that, out of that blessing, when we start with what we have, it allows us to be able to live the life that God desires for us to live. What we have, we can turn into something more. I mentioned that already. But whatever that we have, we are able to turn it into something else. It's easier if you have a dollar to turn it into two dollars than it is for if you have zero dollars to turn it into one dollar. Go, look, go down to City Team, look at the people who are homeless. It is very difficult to get out of the zero into the one. If you've got the one, you can make the two. And you know what? We've already, you already have the possibility of having the one. What is the one? It's not got George Washington's face on it. It's not got Ben Franklin's face on it, right? It's not got Bill Gates' face on it for the one zillion dollars, you know, that they circulate around or whatever. It's got God's face on it. That when God is the one who is the center, the base, the fundamental, the, 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 the foundation for your life, that is where success can come in. Instead of investing in a market to get something you don't have, shouldn't your priority be to invest in something you really do have? This is the thing that kills me because I see people so many times they chase after the rat race. They go crazy trying to get success, to make the money, to do whatever it takes. And you know what? Shouldn't we invest in something that is going to last for forever? Shouldn't we invest in the greater things? If you invest in God first, if you invest in your family second, if you invest in your life third, Believe me, that's worth far more than a Prada bag, a Taylor guitar, anything like that is. I know it's hard because even when I'm saying that, I feel like hypocrite. I should put a light on here, right? I should put the light on. Hypocrite, right? Because we all struggle with this. But at the end of the day, when we look at what success is, it's defined by what we have. Again, I, I just mentioned that, that, that chart there. Success can only come when our life is built on. Ultimately, the answer to that question is, only when it's built on God, because He is the only thing that cannot be taken from our lives. He is the only thing that will always be there in good and bad. Listen, it is not the intangible what money brings, but the tangible. Now see, that's the interesting thing, because if I go out in there and I ask the average person on the street, what is tangible, meaning you can hold on to it, and what is intangible, they will say, that Prada bag is tangible. And they will say, God is intangible. But I argue, and I beg to differ, because that Prada bag will one day turn into rubbish in the landfill when it's no longer popular, and it will cease to exist. That, my friends, is the intangible, what money brings. But the tangible, God, family, your service to others, your life, that is what we can base 
which that's ours. Let's pray. Father, we're just going to take a moment here today to go to you and just recognize you as God and, and just really say, God, I want my success in life to be committed and devoted to you. Maybe, maybe someone's here today, God, who, who, who doesn't really know you. You know, all, we know all you need to do is to say, is they can say, God, I love you and I want to base my life on you. I know that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Redeemer, and I want his redemption. I want to be right with you. Father, and for the rest of us here today, all of us, Lord, really, myself included, we want to base our success and our life on you and you alone, and then our family and, and what you've called us to do and to be, rather than anything that's intangible, money and possessions and all that stuff. Father, help that to be a reality in our lives. Father, we, we pray for our country um, during this economic downturn. Lord, we pray for the world during this economic downturn. Lord, I know that people at BBC have lost jobs and are struggling right now financially. Father, I pray that you would give them the hope, Lord, and give them the grounding to be able to see it through, Lord, to be able to, to do what is good and right for their families and for their lives, but to make that good and right be based on your calling for them. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name.